Hey, and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world by making disciples. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel, along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from Sunday's message. Let's take a listen. So we're going to be looking this morning. You can go ahead and turn down your Bibles uh, in Philippians chapter 1 uh, and verse 27 through 30 is where we're going to be. But as we're, uh, as we're going there this morning, uh, I want to remind you a little bit about where we've been. Some of you have been on vacation lately. If you've been on vacation the last two or three weeks, let me see your hand. Yeah, so a lot of you have. A lot of you may be traveling this morning uh, and watching us online maybe or we'll catch us later. We want to say welcome to you. I just want to catch you up to speed of kind of where we're at uh, and why we land in verse 27 today. We've had the great privilege, I think you would agree, great men of God the last few weeks along with our pastor, a great man of God, have taught us through Philippians. And so this is kind of, I'm going to give you kind of the the Cliff Notes version of where we've been for the last three or four weeks. And again, it's the Cliff Notes, okay? So uh, when I look back, I think about uh, Pastor Brandon a few weeks ago preaching. And I, when I'm sitting here, even on staff here, when I'm sitting and anyone opens God's word, I want to take a moment to say, God, what is it you want to say to me this morning in a corporate gathering? So these are from my notes. And I remember Pastor Brandon Bridge Farmer saying this, and, and it really... Uh, it, it grabbed hold of me, and I pondered it for, for a week or so. Uh, Brandon talked about uh, Paul's desire for the church at, uh, at Philippi to, to grow and abound in love, in God's love, and he reminded us that God loves us. God doesn't love the future version of us. God loves us, and uh, I remembered that, and I thought about uh, what a great way to orient us in the right direction in, Phil- in Philippians. I thought about about what Pastor Brian said, that sometimes in life we have, we have these ideas of how things are gonna go, right? And they don't go that way. <laughs> Paul wanted to go to Rome as a, as a preacher. He wanted to carry the gospel there. He wanted to be a great evangelist. He was, but he went as a prisoner. And so Pastor Brian reminded us that sometimes unexpected, difficult circumstances can make a way for the gospel. And then Pastor Jared last week reminded us, and he so graciously prepared and and studied and even went further than what he wanted to go last week. And you know why he went further than he wanted to go? To help me land on verse 27 today. That's a good brother, amen? Um, But he said for, he talked about the Apostle Paul and he He said Paul's statement, his purpose statement. Do you remember that last week? We catch up the last week and he said it's almost as if Paul had this purpose statement in life and his purpose statement was what? You remember what it was? For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He said that was almost as if Paul was making a mission statement or a purpose statement in life. And I thought about that and how that set us up for our conversation today as we look in Philippians chapter 1, verse 27 through 30. 
You see, what is a purpose statement? I, I held on to that and I've thought about it all week. And so I want to ask you this simple question. If you would, take just a moment. Um, don't focus on me, okay? I know it's hard to, big ugly guy up front. If you need a good speaker, go to Amazon or something, see if you can find a deal, because you won't find one here, but I do want you to reflect on a few questions. One of those questions is, sincerely, smile for just a moment and think about this question. Have you ever pondered the question, what on earth are you here for? I think it's a big probing question that at some point and many seasons of our life, we ask that question over and over. What on earth am I here for? I remember pondering that question. And so I want to uh, submit to, to you this morning, maybe a couple of things uh, that we ask. Many of us ask, what's the purpose in life? What are we here for? And sometimes it can be very frustrating. Have you ever asked God, like, God, what is it you want me to do? And sometimes it's like crickets. Oh, I, you, you're religious. You, I've been there before, right? Where you ask God and it's like complete silence and you don't have direction. For like, what am I going to do next year? What am I going to do uh, this week? And the reality is sometimes we ask that question, what is our purpose here on earth? And maybe we were asking the question, focusing on the wrong subject matter. You know, we are a self-absorbed absorbed people. Amen? And so sometimes if we're not careful, the questions will become so self-centered that it's like, God, what on earth do you want me to do? And, and maybe there's a better way to, to present that question. See, typically we start in the wrong place. We start with ourselves. And we start with what I like to do and what, what I'm good at and what are my goals and what are my ambitions and what are my dreams. And I would like to remind you this morning that you'll never discover life's purpose looking within. It's the wrong place. That you'll begin to find life's purpose when we look toward Christ. Do you understand that the entire population of the world, with one minor exception, consists of other people. And so maybe God's purpose and God's design is, is greater than you. And, and maybe we could find God's purpose. How, how many of you have kids? You have all kinds of stories, right? My kids do some of the craziest things. I'm sure yours don't, but mine does. Um, and, and I remember getting ready, like, at Christmas, like we would go, Lori and I was out a few weeks ago, just not a few weeks ago, a few days ago, and I remember going by this dreaded store. Um, it was dreaded because I always knew when we went there, there's going to be a large project, and that store was Torres R Us. And uh, so she would go there weeks and months ahead of Christmas and had to have all of these Doc McStuffins and Princess everything. And, you know, they all landed like Santa unloaded his sleigh like the night of Christmas Eve. And uh, my, my basement would be full. And uh, I remember opening those things up uh, in the basement. And, you know, there's like nine million steps, right? There's like one to nine million. And uh, when you open those boxes up and you put all the pieces out, it gets really overwhelming for just a second. But do you know what happens when you start at step one? You open that package and you get what seems to be that insignificant piece. And you realize, hey, this is the piece that begins the whole project. Do you know, can I help you this morning, that if you want to know your purpose in life, if you want to know what on earth you're here for, 
Don't look within yourselves. Look in the scripture. And we'll go all the way back to the garden and know this, that you've been created by God and for God. Amen? Step number one, understand that you were created in life to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You're like, Greg, why, why would you say that? Why would you go all the way back to the garden? Because it's really important for you to remember that the purpose of life cannot be found in yourself. Dr. Moreland, a professor from Northwestern Illinois University, uh, a professor of philosophy, sent out a, a request to 250 of intellectuals within his circle, 250 brilliant men and women, and he asked them this one, this one simple question. You know what it was? What is the meaning of life? And those intellectuals and those scientists and those people in the universities, they sent him responses back. All of them didn't respond. Now, usually professors have an answer for everything, right? The few I've been around know a lot and want you to know a lot. But they were asked a basic question. What is the purpose of life? And they responded with the same question. You know what it was? Have you discovered it? And if so, let us know. I think about it, our, our culture that we're living in now, I, I, in 2018, you may not know it, but the United Kingdom, I'd never heard of this before, the United Kingdom designated a minister of loneliness. True, United Kingdom, 2018, designated a minister of loneliness because the culture was so overwhelmed with anxiety and depression and suicides rates climbing, they designated a, a minister of loneliness. In 2021, Japan did the same exact thing. They designated a minister of loneliness. And one month in October of 2020, there was more, there was more females died of suicide in Japan than COVID-19. Certainly, you didn't hear that on the news. And so here's two countries that are arguably not far from us that have designated ministers of loneliness. But the anxiety and the depression and the loneliness in our culture it concerns me, and I think it should concern us because I think people are looking for their purpose in life, and they're getting answers from everyone, from everywhere, and listen, it's very, very basic. Your purpose in life is to be in relationship with God. That's step one. It started in the garden. God created you in Genesis. God created you, created Adam and Eve, gave us everything we needed for life, and what happened? He set the rules. We have a problem with authority. God set the rules and said, everything here you can have except one thing. Don't touch the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, and what did Adam and Eve do? They said, hold on, God. I'll take your place. I know what's best for me. I'll go ahead and take the fruit. God said, the day that you touch it, you shall what? Surely die. And what happened? So this moment, we're under the curse of death. But here's the deal. When Adam and Eve touched the knowledge of good and evil, when they said, God, we'll become gods ourselves, you know what happened immediately when they took God's place? They started hiding. And God came looking for them in the garden. This is a beautiful picture, by the way. God came looking for them in the garden, and when he found them, what did he say? Did he say, you terrible people? What did he say? He said, what? He said, where are you? God came looking for man in the garden after, listen, in creation, when he fell, God came looking for him. 
And he came looking for Adam and Eve, and you know what he did? He made a covering for them out of animal skins. It's the first sacrifice pointing toward Jesus Christ. He made a, a covering of skin for them in the garden so that man could be covered from his sins. And then you know the story that God sent his son. There was a forever cycle of sacrifices. God sent Christ to die in our place for a once and for all final sacrifice. And he paid the price for our sins. And if you want to know your purpose in life, it's to this. It's for you to know your creator. And you're like, Greg, why would you share all that? Because it's foundational to what we're talking about today. Do you know the Bible says in Proverbs 12, 25, what we're facing today, the scriptures clearly address. You know, the Bible says anxiety of the heart causes depression. But a good word makes it, makes it glad. I think in our country and in our nation, and even in the corners of our own home, anxiety and depression is a real, real subject. And yet we try to medicate the problem, and many times we never talk about the true source. And the true source is when we get our eyes on ourselves, and we become so self-centered and so self-focused, and we take our eyes off the creator and our created purpose, I think sometimes we lose our way. But no one talks about that. Now, I understand that there's medical conditions that are very real, and there is people that are pursuing Christ and following hard after Christ and, and have medical attention, and that is perfectly appropriate. Listen, don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. What I am saying, though, is that when you turn inward and you focus only on population me, life can get messy. But we were created for more than that. So what are we created for, Greg? Well, how about Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20? You remember what Jesus told his disciples? He's on the farewell tour now. He's, he's ascended. He's, he's, he's been buried. He's resurrected, and, he, and he's back with his disciples. And you know what he tells them? In Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, this is what he tells them. He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go into all nations and make disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all things which I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always. Do you know what your purpose is in life? You know what our purpose is in life when we're following Christ? It's to make disciples. You are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. That's why you can't just turn inward and say, hey, what is it I want to do? If I would have did what I wanted to do, I would not have been here sharing with you today. If Jared Cagle did what he wanted to do at times, he wouldn't be here today. If Pastor Brian Hall did what he wanted to do, he would not be here. Hear me. When you surrender your will to his will, you'll find the greatest pleasure and purpose in life that you've ever known, but it does not begin with you. You see, life does not consist of the abundance of possessions that you have. Do you understand that? That there's more to life than this American dream. And you say, Greg, why this long introduction? This is why he was talking to the church at Philippi in Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Paul is, listen, he's given them great instruction and great example. And in verse 27, if you looked at the Christian Standard Bible, it literally says this. Just one thing. 
And that's literally the reading of that text in its original language. Just one thing, Philippians 1.27. Just one thing. Live your lives worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. <laughs> he said the gospel over and over, and you're gonna find out in Philippians that it's a very repetitive book. You know why it's repetitive? Because we learn by repetition. And listen to me, I encourage you today, church, live your life gospel-centered and live your life worthy of it. You say, what does it look like to live my life worthy of the gospel? Let's read those three verses in Philippians chapter 1, verse 27 through 30. Only conduct yourselves, or only one thing, if you're reading the New Living Translation or the, or the Christian Standard Bible, only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel, so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear that you're standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. In no way alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them, but of salvation for you, and that too from God. For to you it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, experiencing the same conflict you saw in me and now here in me. Live your lives worthy of the gospel. There's a couple of things I want to remind you of this morning before we slide out and head our different ways. One is, in this Christian journey, live your life consistently following Jesus Christ. And Paul is telling them as citizens of heaven. In Philippians 3, he mentions in citizenship again. You understand that Philippi is an outpost. It's, it's, it is a little Roman colony, and these Roman citizens here would have had all kind of privileges. They would have dressed different. They would have had a different type swagger about them in town because they're Roman citizens and they had special privileges and you were a Roman by birth and you were able to go to court and be represented in court and you were able to own things and possess things and in many ways a very modern culture. And now you have this little outpost, this little Roman colony in Philippi, and you have a group of believers there, and Paul is urging them, in this little outpost, in this little place, I want you to have very distinct behaviors from those around you. I want you to know that if you're a follower of Christ in Philippi, you listen, you are following Christ because it was a granted privilege by the Lord Jesus Christ. Now act like it. Do you know that long before you were seeking God, God was seeking you? Long before you even thought of God, God thought of you. Before he, listen, before he formed you in your mother's womb, he thought of you. I, I, I'm careful to go here, but I, I, will, I will generically place it at this. That the story of literally my mom's womb and the plan was appalling to religious people. <laughs> it was, ah, how does things like that happen? And God, in the midst of a messy situation, said, I'll take his life and use it for my name's sake. Some of you may come from that side. You, you don't come from the normal, traditional, blue-collar, wonderful family. 
I've got news for you. God can take your life, no matter what condition it's born in, God can take your life and use it in an amazing, amazing, amazing way. I met my father twice. I'm 47 years old. I met my father twice. But I'm grateful to tell you that at 19 years old, I was adopted by the Lord Jesus Christ and my life was founded then, I was made alive then, and I have purpose now. And it all has to do to the glory of God because I've learned very early on to follow Jesus. Listen, you don't need more great messages. You've got some of the greatest communicators here that you're gonna find anywhere. I'm not one of them. But what I am gonna do is step in here and say, hey, let's get some shoe leather on when Jared is sitting here pleading with us to live for Christ in the cubicle. Like when you, when you go to work tomorrow, when you sit here at your, listen, did you catch what Pastor Jared said last week? He said, listen, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And if you're in this cubicle tomorrow, live for Christ. There is someone apart, there's someone separated from God and they're very close to you. And you're, you're willing to serve God one day in the future version, but what you don't realize is that when you walk in that office tomorrow, God can use you. But you've got to live your life worthy of the gospel. And you, you've got to love first. You know what happens many times when we start following Christ? When we start following Christ, we go back to the workplace and we, you say, well, Greg, what do you know about the workplace? I spent 20 plus years in the public workplace. I know what it's like, Mike, to walk into a manufacturing environment for 20 years. It's 116 degrees. I know what that's like. And I know what it's like to be in a workplace with people that go to church that to be quite honest with you, I didn't associate with a whole lot. You know why? Because they annoyed me. I can't believe, I can't believe they did that. I can't believe she wears that. I can't believe you go there. I can't believe you do that. But we're having a Bible study. You want to come? <laughs> I never went to a Bible study at work. Because Todd, I didn't have interest in religious people. And those people were so quick to point. And they were so quick to judge. And I didn't want to be associated with them. But almost every year, and in the next service, you'll see one of them. The story's so crazy. The story's so crazy. That I said, Shane, you got to show up, man. Because if you don't show up, they'll think I'm kidding with them. If you live your life consistently in the workplace, God will draw people to himself. And that's why Paul is saying here, live your lives worthy of the gospel. Day in, day out, day in, day out. God, whatever, listen, I, I'm just gonna encourage you for the next like five days. Let, let's just put the rest of our life on the table and let's just go for the next five days. What would it look like for you to walk in your workplace and live worthy of the gospel? For some of you, before you go back, you should say, God, forgive me for the picture I've painted of you to others. Self-righteous, condescending. That's not Christ. 
You see, it's not the well that's in need of a physician, it's who? It's the sick. It wasn't the religious people that Jesus hung out with. You know who it was? It was the sick. It was the sinners. I thought of this poem as I was putting together. So in your workplace, you should have very distinguishing attitudes, very distinguishing behaviors. Our lips and lives should match. And wherever you're at, whether it's in a, whether it's in a office cubicle or whether it's like I was right out of high school, anybody here ever framed houses? Oh yeah, that's a special breed of people. If you're a framer in here, that's a special, that's a special species of people, in fact. And I'm one of them. I grew up on a farm and grew up uh, with my oldest brother, thank God. And I remember on a framing crew walking houses we were building for John Whelan and big homes. And I remember the men getting in the van every afternoon, every afternoon, and getting a fifth of Bacardi rum every afternoon. They'd drink Miller in the gold cans at lunch. And there I was at 19 years old sitting around the middle of them going to technical school, and I thought, God, there's got to be more to life than this. I started following Christ at 19, almost 20 years old, and I realized, you know, all those men I walked the roofs with and walked the plates with and toted rafter with, do you know what? God loved every one of those men. And I had the great privilege after I started following Christ. I lost that job because of the work at that time. It was one of the first recessions we went through in the early 90s. And I remember having the privilege of going back to every one of those men and saying, do you know what? God made you for more. God loves you. God's made a way for you. And this is what I want you to know. You can have great impact for the kingdom of God if you'll live your life worthy of the gospel here. I've never had much interest here. Most of my interest has been, God, where where the people are, that's where I want to be. And so what I want to encourage you today is, listen, begin following Christ and living worthy of the gospel in your workplace. Tomorrow. Ask God to use you and see what happens. And I'll start landing the plane with this. Live your lives consistent. But listen, not only do I want you to live your lives consistently, I want you to also understand that in the life of this church, we got to work together. We got to cooperate together. Philippians 1.28, it says this. And listen, verse 27, I'm sorry. In verse 27, he says, so that whether I come and see or remain absent, I will hear that you're standing firm in one spirit, in one mind, striving together. This is literally a, a picture of what Paul is telling this, this heavenly outpost in Philippi. He's telling them, hey, I, I want you to stand together. I want you to strive together. This is where we get a military term as if soldiers were back to back defending their territory. And so if there's one thing I want you to know is that for us to advance the kingdom of God as the local church and to share his message and to share the gospel with our generation, we have to do it together. We need to be together as one. We don't need somebody just to be that one. You ever met somebody like that? Yeah, we, we don't even want to 
address that. What we want people to do is when they see Chestnut Mountain Church, they would see one thing, that this church located on the side of Highway 53 has one purpose. When they go to the workplace, when they go to the warehouse, when they go to the freezer, when they go to the post office, when they go to the gas station, when they go, wherever they go, that place is about the gospel. I encourage you to do that. Strive together. Work together. That's our purpose in life. That word striving together is where we get the word athlete in the English language. The Greek is literally synathelio. And it literally means with a competitive spirit, strive for the gospel. You want to know what on earth you're here for? The gospel. Do you know that God has little outposts in heaven in your workplace? And in, and in that cubicle, and in that sawhorse, and in that machine shop, and wherever you're out, it's an outpost for heaven. Paul said it's as if God were pleading through us, be reconciled to God. You are his ambassadors. You know what your purpose on earth is? It's to plead with people to be reconciled to God. When you do that as an accountant or you do that as an HR analyst or you do that as a carpenter or a plumber or an electrician or a teller or a server or at a cash register, when you plead with people to be reconciled with God, I'll promise you, I'll promise you, you'll find your purpose in life. That's what he died for. In 2 Corinthians, he said he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and what? Rose again. That's our purpose. So I want to encourage you to be consistent. I want to encourage you to cooperate with one another in a spirit of love in our local church. Be kind to one another. And then in landing in the plane, I want to tell you this. Be confident. Because as you're doing this ministry, as you're doing what God's called you to do, as you've entered into relationship with him and you're sharing with other people, you're gonna have opponents. Look what he says in verse 28. People's not always gonna agree with you. And no way, listen, he's telling this little outpost in heaven, and no way be alarmed by your opponents. Not all the Romans are going to like you. <laughs> In no way alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them, but of salvation for you. For it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer in him for his sake, experiencing the same conflict which you saw in me and now here in me. In closing, I want to tell you this. That your opponents, yeah, they're a two-way sign. And you're going to face them. If you're being faithful to what God created you to do, you're going to have opponents in life. And it's a two-way sign. For you, when they oppose you in the message of Christ, it is a sign of your salvation. <laughs> but for them, it's a sign of destruction. But you keep pressing on. Church, keep pressing on. God's been way too good to us. God's been way too good for us. 
to lay down the mantle and not keep sharing the message. So you say, Greg, what is, what's the sermon in the sentence? What do I go home with? And I close with this. You have been created by the Lord Jesus Christ and for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so tomorrow, live on purpose. Just take tomorrow. Don't make a plan for the next year. Just tomorrow, the next four or five days, live for Christ wherever he's placed you and be faithful. You be consistent, you be cooperative, and you be confident. I was sharing the gospel with a man. His name was Jason, and I remembered sharing the gospel with him, and I was at Kubota working, and maybe for a year and a half, I hung out with this guy, and I just knew he was going to be saved. I would tell Lori about him. And he walked up to me one day, and he said, Greg, I know why God sent you here. He sent you here for me. But I'm not following Jesus. He was the all-American male in the workplace, so read into that whatever you want to read into. He said, I'm not going to follow Jesus. And he drove off. I remember thinking, God, I, I've took some slack for hanging out with this guy. I've shared with him. I've prayed for him. I don't get it. So this guy leaves the workplace, and a couple of weeks later, another guy comes in, tall, tattooed gentleman. Not that that matters, but he was tall, kind of big guy in the morning meetings. And I remember looking over at him thinking, who is this, who is this guy? Just a few days of being there, this gentleman walked over to me. He put his finger in my chest. He said, he didn't hit me. He put his finger in my chest and he said, Greg, you have no idea who I am, but I'm far from God. And I want to know God. And I've been talking to God, but for some reason, I don't know this guy. We don't have a relationship. He's only been there a few days. He said, for some reason, Greg, while I was praying, he said, it was like an image of you. That's a terrible thought, an image of me. He said, it was like a... It's like a, a bill, he said, it's like a picture in a billfold. He said, the whole time I was praying, it was like God said, if you'll find this guy, he'll help you find me. And so Shane and I had a conversation. I didn't get Shane to pray a prayer. I didn't get Shane to do anything but explore the scriptures. And I said, Shane, you look this week, you dig in those words. And listen, the moment you're ready to receive by faith what God's provided for you, you call on God to save you. He came back to work a few days later, and you know what he said? Greg, I'm saved. Listen, listen. You be consistent, even when things don't turn out like you think they are. So tomorrow, you go be consistent. I want to pray with you. Then I want to ask if you would need someone to pray with you, you'd like to make a decision, maybe a, a commitment to Christ for the next three days, five days, one days, whatever, I'm going to follow you. Certainly you can make that commitment in your seat. If you'd like someone to pray with you, I'd be glad to pray with you. God, I pray for your people this morning. I pray that you would encourage them and strengthen them and enable and empower them to do life the way you designed it. And so Lord, may your name be made great in our lives. May others come to know Jesus Christ because we 
as a body of believers in your church, not just this little C church, but in the church, big C church, may we live in such a way that is worthy of the gospel. May we be a little outpost in heaven tomorrow as we go in our workplace. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash next steps, and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also, a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org and don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you, we're praying for you, and we'll see you next time.